Welcome to Office Hours, a social science podcast produced at the University of Minnesota, featuring conversations with prominent scholars, researchers, and other movers and shakers in the social world. Zombies have taken a special place in our cultural imaginary, appearing in countless cult classics, B-grade horror movies, best-selling literary novels, record-breaking television shows, and are the inspiration for theme parades and pub crawls around the globe. In this episode, Jennifer Rutherford, sociologist, literary scholar, and deputy director of the Hawk Research Institute at the University of Southern Australia, helps us understand what can be learned from the cultural obsession. We discuss the power of the zombie as metaphor, the unrestrained drive of the undead, and the allure of becoming zombie at gatherings and celebrations. Thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. So to start, maybe we could just talk about why someone would choose to study zombies, or for that matter, any monster or horror movie antagonist. Uh, well, I can probably answer uh, that question specifically about zombies because I'm not um, I'm not somebody who spent their, their life studying monsters. I actually came to... Uh, to zombies rather unexpectedly. And I, I can tell you a story about that that's rather funny, actually. I I was, um, I offered Rutledge a, a book on melancholia, which is more in line with my normal work. And they didn't want it. It, it, um, it, it was for their shortcut series. And mm-hmm. and I said rather flippantly, oh, okay, then I'll, um, I'll write a book on zombies. And they jumped at it. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that, that says something about the state of zombies at the moment. There, yeah, there, yeah. There's huge interest in the zombie phenomenon, unfortunately not in melancholia. So did you already have a project in mind at that point? Or were you really just saying it as, a, as something just to respond? <laughs> look, look, I always had in mind that I'd write a little book on zombies. Um, uh, because many years ago I became obsessed with zombies for you know very personal reasons, which I think is is probably fairly typical. I, I just had a very nasty divorce, and and you know zombies are, are very eloquent when it comes to um, the 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 sudden breakdown of of romantic relations in in your typical zombie scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, love relations are always turning into into matters of life and death, which if you've been through a nasty divorce is only too familiar. So many years ago, I, I did get quite obs- obsessed with zombies. And I, I gave a course of lectures on zombies. And I, I couldn't believe the response of the students. I mean, I literally had students kind of dressing up as zombies in class and pretending to be zombies across the campus. Wow. And this was this was quite a long time ago. And I guess it was just the beginning of the zombie craze. So if I'd written the little book, then I'd be... Um, I'd be rich today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so early in your in your book, you state that to ask what a zombie is, then is to ask what do zombies mean and how do they mean. So what do you mean by that? And then how do you go about answering that question? Well, I think you know um, people tend to think of zombies as you know things that occur um, on the screen, but of course zombies have have moved off the screen in the last decade. And they moved on to the street uh, in forms of, you know, parades and festivals. But there's also been a kind of discursive explosion, um, both on screen and off screen. And I think it's 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 really interesting to to look at what's happening with zombies discursively. 
not all that long ago, zombie, a, a zombie meant a, a dead thing that had reanimated. It had a fairly kind of fixed meaning. But now if you look, if you look at the urban, urban dictionary, for instance, the definitions of zombie go, they, they just go on and on for pages. And it's, it's quite bizarre the contradictory meanings that hang around this term zombie from everything from kind of dirt, uh, dirty sexual acts, really bizarre sexual acts, to, you know, Republicans and Democrats and forms of, of architecture and economy, the economy and... Um, I mean, in virtually every field of of um, society today, you find the zombie manifesting as a metaphor, and I, I think that's really interesting. And at the same time, you have the zombie genres gobbling up other genres, um, and and this kind of combination of the metaphor of zombie spreading into even into the hard sciences, you can find this zombies being used as metaphors to just to describe all manner of of um, of things in the hard sciences, in political discourse and economic discourse, even in the health sciences, zombies are cropping up everywhere. So that, that's a pretty curious phenomenon that's worth thinking about. What is it about mm. zombies that lend themselves to be becoming a metatrope that is um, binding a whole lot of other metaphors together? So in the book, you trace the origin of, of zombies back to its Haitian roots. And I'm wondering, is that influence still visible in recent incarnations, whether it's the metaphors you were just talking about uh, in the discursive realm, or or just how they're presented on screen. Look, I'm not a I'm not an expert on Haitian culture, but it's really interesting to think about how um, zombies have travelled from from Haiti in, into into Hollywood and then and then beyond. And of course, there are a lot of expert writers on Haitian culture who have very interesting things to say about the relationship with zombie and, and the slave revolution and mm -hmm. voodoo, but that, that's not really my field. But one of the things that really interests me is how, well, firstly, how if you think about what, um, what colonialism did to Indigenous cultures, it, it, it ate them, it gobbled them up, um, and yet out of one of the worst colonial cultures, you get this um, imaginary figure, the zombie, that literally gobbles up Western culture. So I, I think that's a really interesting kind of movement from colonialism to the present. And wherever you have uh, colonial cultures that move into the present, you have interesting inversions going on, inversions and displacements. And I think zombie is, is, is one of those inversions and displacements. And it's not just, uh, people often talk about, you know, zombies being and, and voodoo being exoticised by the West, but I, I actually think zombie travels in a more kind of powerful form than that because of this process of inversion. Could you say a little bit more about what you mean by that? Well, look, one of the things I find really interesting in zombie street parades is the way... Um, the icon iconography of the slave revolution actually travels onto the street. And zombie films have been, you know, playing with zombies and slavery for a long time. If you think about, say, uh, Romero's Land of the Dead, he makes that, that really explicit where the zombies actually are the slaves in revolution. But in street marches today, you, you get a whole kind of political iconography which is which is quite funny. So you might often have um, 
uh, red flags, but instead of a hammer and sickle, you get um, a brain. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or instead of, um, uh, you know, that, that kind of typical um, chant of street marches, what do we want, when do we want it, yeah. you get a zombie, a zombie form of that. What do we want? Brains. When do we want them now? Yeah. <laughs> so, I find all, all that really interesting, that kind of movement where zombies are, are a new form of um, a mass movement that nevertheless carries this this idea of revolution with it, even though it's very inverted and displaced. So that's, that's one of the things that's, that fascinated me in the book is the move from not only watching zombie movies or reading the zombie-based literature, but taking part in these collective gatherings that you're mentioning, mm-hmm. like the parades or the pub crawls uh, or other forms of... of mass movement together um what do you think the allure is oh look it's it's such a a complicated question and one of the things i try not to do in this book is kind of saturate the field with explanation Mm -hmm. there's there are a lot of zombie books being written obviously by zombie experts who who read zombies according to a particular theoretical lens and i think we're when we do that we're really at risk of just uh, losing sight of the very strangeness of the phenomenon. When you think about it, in major cities all around the world, people in their thousands and thousands are going onto the street dressed up as, as subjectless dead things, um, forming a collective identification and calling for brains. That That's a, a very, very, very strange yeah. manifestation really. And when you start to look at what's going on there, I don't think there are kind of simple answers or simple kind of theoretical explanations to be given. But we can't, you can't miss the, that kind of, that carnival atmosphere in which people are celebrating um, violent acts. And I don't think we can sanitise that. I speak um, in the book, in in the book I spend some time talking about Freud's idea of the ambivalence of emotion. And one of the things that strikes me about zombies is is that they're not ambivalent. Unlike humans, and zombies don't have ambivalent emotions. They simply have a drive. Yeah. And yeah. it's a drive to devour. And I think what these street manifestations make possible is the collective enjoyment of um, being in that space of taboo, which is a space where one can enjoy the fantasy of killing um, without restriction. And carnival, of course, has has historically been a space of transgression. And, you know, as the um, anthropologist uh, Roger Calois argues, it's only in, in modernity, in war, that people actually get to enjoy killing. Um, but I think zombie parades and festivals are providing a new form of carnival where the fantasy of killing can be enacted. And just just to take this to an extreme edge, because it's, it's really easy just to enjoy zombies and find them hilarious and funny, but you have to kind of deal with also some something of the real that's going on here. If you look at some of these zombie marches, um, they have, or, or, or zombie events, they, they have a... a, a they kind of push verisimilitude to the absolute limit. Uh, there's one in Sydney last year where they had a, a, a game of killing zombies in a prison and the prison had housed one of Australia's most notorious serial killers 
and the Zombie Festival advertised this as the lure um, that you could actually be in Ivan Milat's cell and kill zombies there. So you have this really, really kind of, um, really, really kind of sharp kind of tension there between fantasy and and the real, and a kind of blurring going on. Yeah. Do you think that some of the other qualities uh, that seem particular to zombies, like they're also drooling, they drag their feet. There's this complete lack of regard for many of the. Uh, personal space or even personal hygiene or any of these qualities. Do you think that's important for the, the, the transgressive qualities or the absurdity of it? Uh, look, this, this is why I, I'm kind of very reticent to um, overload zombies with a simple explanation because the more you look at it, the more complex and contradictory it is. Uh, a, a number of zombie um, scholars have pointed out that the zombie is and every man and every woman. And I think that's that's absolutely the case. Unlike the vampire, the zombie is um, a faceless dead thing in a crowd, always en masse. Um, and that massification of the zombie is really critical to the, the power of, of the genre to, um, to speak about mass society and to speak about late modernity. Um, and if yeah, zombies don't have great regard for hygiene. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're right there. <laughs> so you also avoid reducing zombies to simply being about death and violence, but you do also examine how they fundamentally both celebrate and critique our relationship with, with death and violence. So could you talk a bit about that tension, um, where that relationship between to death and violence, and how it's both a celebra- celebration and a critique? Well. You know, zombie works can be incredibly stupid or they can be incredibly sharp. Um, and, and zombie critics, the same, actually. You get a, a kind of idiocy going on. And so I'm, I'm sorry to all the, any zombie fans out there, but you do get this kind of idiocy going on around zombies where zombies are, zombie works are talked about um, as if their only criteria is how effective they are in simulating gore. And as if that's what is going on in, in, in zombie works, just um, more and more real representations of bodies being opened up and devoured. But zombie works have a, a political, some zombie works have an extraordinary political eloquence. I'm um, starting, obviously, with Romero's Night of the Living Dead, an extremely powerful political film, and extending to works like um, Jay Lee's uh, Zombie Strippers, a, a film that I absolutely love. It's, it's hilarious, it's funny, it's satirical, and it's really sharp in its intervention in the zombie genre. But I think the reason that they have this kind of eloquence well beyond their kind of um, uh, their, their, their blood and guts it's because of the way in, in, in all zombie works you have an oscillation between um, the individual and the mass and zombie works play out that tension um, through the movement um, from individuation to massification. And of course, individuals in zombie films are always bleeding into the crowd. Their, their um, loved ones are, are always becoming zombies um, uh, survivors are always at risk of joining the mass faceless dead um, and, and, and death in a zombie film. It's a, it's a particular kind of death. It's not, it's not a, a symbolically constrained or, or, 
or ritualized death, it's faceless death, it's mass death, it's death that we most fear and it's death of the individual in the crowd and zombies tell it, the zombie works tell a kind of complex story which parallels the, the rise of, of, of crowds in modernity and, and the struggle over individuation and socialisation in modernity. I think um, Sigmund Bauman's actually really useful here when Bauman talks about how in late modernity um, everybody must individuate but by virtue of our individuation we are identical with all others and the only way we could actually be individuals is to try and pretend to be like everyone else because individuation is is a must, it's a given. Um, and, and zombies play out that kind of tension between the demand to be an individual and um, the impossibility of that. And it's it's fascinating with what you're saying to think about how with the with the zombie gatherings or the when people actually act out like zombies, it's coming together to act like the zombie rather than the hero um, who is the heroic individual fighting back all this uh, this you know, whatever whatever zombies represent, but rather the the desire is to act like the zombie and join with others doing the same. Well, you know that that is. A really interesting thing. There are very few survivors at zombie marches. People don't want to be the survivors; they want to be the zombies. Yeah. For a final question, a bit of a bit of a larger one, I was wondering if you could talk a bit about larger lessons that um, studies of social life or the sociological discipline could take away from projects like this, uh, where you really engage with the complexity of of everything surrounding zombies. Look, I, I, I'm glad you've asked that question. Um, one of the things I wanted to do in this book, as I've said, was refuse to, to jump in and give a, a simple theoretical explanation or to read zombies through a single theoretical lens. And there's, there's lots of works doing that. But I wanted to hold open, um, at, I wanted to produce a theoretically literate book, but at the same time, hold open the possibility that bewilderment could be a legitimate critical position. I think that, um, you know, zombies speak of the uh, extraordinary rate of change occurring in in late modernity and a a generalised bewilderment about the future. We are potentially facing apocalyptic futures and nobody knows, no, no sociologist in the world today knows what's going to unfold in the future. Things are changing too rapidly. Environmental, the environmental crisis that's upon us is, is too radical. It's too, uh, uh, um, there's, there's no hitherto experience of such events. So to have a kind of pat theoretical argument for, for something like zombies is it, not true to our condition. So what I tried to be in this book was sociologically sharp, but bewildered. And, uh, I mean, I, I think that might might be what I'd hope people would would think about. Do you think there's an increasing pressure to have the very set, clear argument and answer um, with the pressure to publish more and more, publish in very specific journals, um, at least within academia? Um, or do you think this is a just a trend that's existed for a while? Oh, absolutely, Kyle. I think the pressures that are upon academics to perform certain kinds of um, ways of being academic are completely contradictory to the intellectual um, problematics facing us. 
and that as intellectuals we actually have to be true to um, the need, the, the cultural needs of having thinking critical people, not performing monkeys in an academic zoo. Thank you for joining us and I think that's a, a wonderfully strong statement to end with. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to talk to you.